going to get started because i got so much territory to cover this morning. And so, um, I, now, hey, Mike, remind me, when's Lonnie going to be here? Okay, so all of you, Lonnie Harris will be teaching this class next Sunday. I'll be here, right? Healing, and he's had, mi- Lonnie's had a many, many unbelievable miracles in his ministry. And so he's going to be teaching on healing on um, on Sunday morning in this class, and then he's going to preach in the service. So I'm expecting. I mean, Lonnie is very much a spirit-led individual. That's nothing, nothing for us to go on a mission trip with him and him have people laid out in the airport. It's kind of it's kind of uncomfortable, but it's just the way it is. <laughs> so, so as as we, I, well. Sometimes me, to be quite honest, you know what I mean? I mean, you're in those situations, and you're like, you know, he didn't kill them, I promise you. They're fine. Would you stop? <laughs> so, yeah, oh, that's weird. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like what I hear. That's like loud, hurting my ear. This one. Okay, that's better. Thank you. It was kind of like had a lot of treble in it, and so I'm like, you hear me? Can you get any lows? Okay, that's fine. Don't worry about it then. Okay, so that we will be, Lonnie will be teaching and then he'll be ministering in the service. So invite someone. Invite someone who needs the touch of God in their life, who needs healing, who needs, I mean, just invite them. Let's let God do what he does. Let's open in prayer this morning. Um, I've got a lot of territory to cover. And so get your Bibles ready. I'm going to try to jump into some topics that maybe you haven't heard before. Maybe you're like, oh, great, Andrew, I'm glad you finally caught up. So we'll see how it goes this morning. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you hear and answer prayer. I pray, Lord God, right now that you would begin, God. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to open the windows of our mind of revelation, God. God, I I know that the heavens have already been rent. God, just open our minds. God, as you did the disciples, you opened their minds to receive revelation. I pray that right now that you would that you would arrest every distraction. That every, every human in this room that hosts a spirit of darkness, I just pray that they would be rendered incapacitated in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us divine revelation knowledge. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and ask, God, that you would help us to see clearly in this day that you've called us to. In Jesus' name. Okay. So I've been doing tons of reading since the first of the year. The Lord has kind of put me on a trajectory. I always call the Lord my librarian. And what I mean by that is he gives me, the, he, he points books that I'm supposed to read. That may seem odd to people. I don't know. But it, I mean, I will know when I'm supposed to read a book and one book will lead to another. And he will keep me, he's like my librarian. He keeps me in the card catalog topically of where he wants me to study. And so at the beginning of the year, I ordered a book online called The Unseen Realm. Felt like the Holy Spirit just said, order that. I did not know that I was ordering a scholarly book. Now, if any of you know, if you've read scholarly writing, anybody know what I'm talking about when I say scholarly writing? Full of footnotes, and it's all peer-reviewed. It's not just someone sitting down at a, at a keyboard and just, and go to the publisher. It's not that at all. You can't do it that way. Everything in the book is from scholarship. So everything is peer-reviewed. That means that it is researched. And then you have just as much footnotes 
from the text to find out all the citing. So that's scholarly. And so I've read of this man, I've read one, two, three. I've just finished my third, no, my third, my third, and I've got a fourth one to go. I don't tell you that for any other reason but to say it's just been, I mean, I've got to grow. I've driven Mike crazy probably. Have I, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> so because this, what I've been reading, has so been stretching my biblical perspective. You know what I'm talking about? Things that I'm like, whoa, no one's ever taught me that in a pulpit. And then I had to start going, why, why have I been taught that? Where did that come from? You would be amazed at how much of the things that you believe have come from church tradition and not from actual biblical knowledge. I mean, things I'm, I mean with, I mean, and a lot of it, and you know how uncomfortable it is when someone starts messing with your tradition? It starts feeling a little bit like you start getting a little bit wobbly because you're like, whoa, 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 what's just happening here? You have a lot of, you have a lot of anchorage, if you will, in that. You're anchored deep. about the tradition yeah right and there's and there's good things to question and you really it's okay to look at things and so I began to read these books and these things and I when I started reading this guy I thought my first thought was the guy's a freak he's a, a freak so, so I started looking it up well he, he's not a freak he's actually a a doctor a doctoral you know he has several doctorate degrees and he's Baptist now, I only say that because, I mean, for somebody to be this freaky and Baptist, you want to, yeah, right. So I started looking him up on YouTube. He has a podcast. And I'm like, because I'm like, I'm, you know, I don't just listen to him and then go, oh, everything you say is true. I'm like, who are you? I start dialing in everything. And I'm like, and I listen to everything they have online. And I'm just constantly, I'm listening with an idea of discrediting him. You know what I'm talking about? And then I'm like, okay. And then other people who I do know in the scholarly realm and respect, they're like, you know, they're they're writing the they're writing the you know the hey good job on the book you know in the cover. So I'm like, what's going on here? So this is where I've been, and so I'm I'm gonna pull some of this from here today because I have, I've wanted to teach on spiritual authority for a long time, and so the title of today's lesson is authority is mine. In Jesus' name. And now, I'm going to be setting this up because we've all, we are the Pentecostals, the Charismatics. We are those who believe in spiritual authority. I mean, I was reading this guy and I was like, well, I'm glad you're finally catching up. But then the place where he's coming from starts to really mess with me a little bit. I won't get into a lot of things. If y'all want to read the book, you're welcome to do so. Um, but today, what I want to start, I'm going to read a quote from his, which I think is great. It says, biblical theology is not determined by the smallness of human perception. The human authors of the Bible devote considerable space to talking about the spiritual world. It's a world populated by disembodied beings or beings that have bodies that are not like our bodies. And will exist without spatial qualities where latitude and longitude do not apply. I love that. The 
biblical authors spend a great deal of time talking about the spirit realm. A, a realm that is inhabited by spiritual beings. Not human beings, but spiritual beings. Those spiritual beings, we would call them disembodied. Or, see, that's supposed to freak people out a little bit. Come on, now, this is, this is Bible. They're disembodied. Why are they disembodied? These are not, we're not talking about, they used to be humans. They're ne they've never been human. They've never been, see, when I say in the spirit realm, see, automatically, that's great. I'm glad that I had that clarification because I don't know when I say something what leaps into your mind. See that right there? I'm glad at that. So I'm not talking about disembodied humans. Y'all get me? I'm talking about, per se, there's some caveats there. I am talking about the spirit realm that is inhabited by disembodied spirits or spirits that have a different body than you do. That's Mormon teaching. Now I'll tell you. How many of you believe demons exist? How many of you believe angels exist? How many of you believe the demonic realm is active in here today? How many of you believe the angelic realm is active in here today? That's what I'm talking about. Just because you can't see them, does not mean they're not there. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, there are two types of dangerous people in the body of Christ. Those who think too much about Satan and those who think too little. <laughs> yes. Well, he's, he, he lives outside of time. So he can move anywhere in your timeline and know you entirely. See, this is, this is where, see, we're trying to use things. We're trying to use a human mind. But, see, theology is not limited by the smallness of human perception. And the smallness of human perception is entirely limited by time. Yes. I mean, and we can't see it because we, but here's, here's a fact. Here's a fact that I think we can all get behind. We are all built by God. We are imagers. We've learned in the past, if you've been here, imager is not a quality that you possess with regard to some physical attribute that you have. Imager, to be made in the image of God, is you are an imager. It is a status. It's important that you understand that. A status. As a human being made in the image of God, your status is to image forth God on the planet, on the earth, the unseen realm. There is a non-scholarly non writing one. If you're more interested to read it fast, what's it called, Mike? I got it from Mike. You have it with you? 
he's like, I'm not reading that scholarly stuff. He's like, no way. It is hard. It's, it's, he's got PTSD. <laughs> Supernatural. Right there is the word. That's the distilled version down from the scholarly writings. Uh, Michael Heiser. So he's a very renowned, renowned theologian, if that does anything for you. Okay, so 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Paul states, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what we are using the word, the God-breathed. Now, how much more spiritual of a term can you get than God-breathed? This word is God-breathed. Just like he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. God, as Peter said, moved on the prophets of old. He moved, they were moved along, carried along by the Spirit, and he inspired the words in this book. Now, this is not ghostwriting, if you know what I mean by ghostwriting. It's not like someone's taken over in an automaton-type state with a... No. The Bible is written by human authors who have been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it. So what this means is this book is placed in a timeline, in a culture, in a setting... And the people who wrote this book had a context of information that is imputed into their writings that we are here in another context, in another culture, and in another setting. Now, let me ask you, when you do biblical study, is it apropos, is it correct to take what was from another time and another culture with another set of values, philosophies, and ethos, and to take it and take our culture, our values, our philosophies, and our ethos, and to shove it back in and make it fit our context. We, that's called, what I just did there, that's called an isometric, isogesic method of interpreting the word. Totally wrong. Exogesic method of interpreting is taking what the word says from its culture, from its setting, from its people, because God was happy to inspire that culture, that people, with that set of values and that set of world understanding as he breathed through them to write this book. All scripture is God breathed. Second Timothy. 3.16. Yes, Andy. Because they don't understand that covenant. Right. Because they understand the power of covenant. And also, when you go to somewhere like Africa, they're much more attuned with the supernatural realm. We Westerners, we are so, we've come through the veil of what's called modernity, modern thinking. And so we, you've got to convince us that there's a heaven and a hell, demons and angels. We have reduced and distilled the word of God down from a spiritual 
impartation to people. We are designed, you are designed by God to interact on a spiritual level. How many of you believe that? You have a window, if you will, within you that you need to raise in order to communicate with that God. So we move on. God has chosen, this is, this is such an important statement here. God has chosen human agency to accomplish his will on the planet. Now, why is that important? That is, that is a fundamental importance for you to understand your spiritual authority. God has chosen human agency to accomplish his will on the planet. Well, man is not the only person made in his image. Angels, they're called the sons of God. They are, they are heavenly beings made in the image of God to, to accomplish his will in the realm of the spirit. We, however, when, when the psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you regard him? You made him a little lower than the Elohim, God's little g. See, in the biblical context, it's not wrong. See, us, we'll get all offended and pout and run out of the room. If I call, and I'm not talking about you particularly, but within the context of Western theology, that if I say, if I say something like little G's, y'all are like, no, there's only one God. She's preaching pantheonism. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But see, you'll get that. People will instantly be like, no, no, no. I'm just using biblical language. See what, I'm doing, see, what I'm trying not to do is take my Western lens and shove it back into the text because what I wind up doing is refracting the text and perverting the meaning. So I have to do this this way. Yes. it under the rug of it doesn't exist. They are not the most, the most high. So we're, this is great, this is great. Now I'm fixing, I'm going to build on this right here. You've used another culture and another, this, this is very important. This is so important, I believe, to the world we live in today and what is going on around us. It is fundamental. So here, here we go. I'm going to read another quote and we're going to move right into this. After the fall, God sought repeatedly using that human agency in line with his original desire. God sought repeatedly to use humans to restore his rule among his people. God's going to use, y'all don't get distracted, God's going to use humans to rule this planet. God, wait, wait, I got to keep going. 
given God's decision to fulfill those covenants, this is why Jesus occupied the central role of covenant fulfillment as the descendant of Adam, Abraham, and David. It would be perfectly reasonable for Satan and demons to discern that the Son of the Most High had come to earth as a human to inaugurate the kingdom of his father and reclaim, y'all somebody say reclaim, the nations, to reclaim the nations of the earth for membership into that kingdom. In fact, this intent would be difficult to miss, but the mechanism for accomplishing that end game, the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension was fragmented and cryptic requiring the Holy Spirit's illumination. <clears throat> oh, isn't that good? So see, we don't understand how important it is that you are a human on this planet made in the image of God in this year of our Lord, 2022. You have been given everything you need by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrected human who is presently seated in Trinitarian fellowship with the Father the, as the Son of God and the Holy Spirit. Where are you represented right now as a human? Trinitarian fellowship. See, all of the demonic realm and the angelic realm know this about you because they know it about him. They were there when they drove the nails through his hands. They were there when they used the Roman government and the Jewish government of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the crowd of people to crown him with thorns. They were there whenever, and they delighted. And the Bible said, had they but known. Had they but, they knew he was the son of God. We know they know. I'm talking about demonic realm. They, we know they know he was the son of God. How do we know when he stepped on the shores of the Gadarenes? There was a man totally nude who no chain could hold him, a human imager that had become so overtaken and empowered by hordes of demonic forces. You think you're not designed to interact with the spirit realm? Just look at the man at the Gadarenes. He had a legion of spirits living in his earthly temple. And Jesus wouldn't have it. And when he stood on the shore... Those demons, he was in the tombs. How far were the tombs from the shore? I know not. But when that man, Jesus, the God-man, the Son of God, the man of man, very man of man and God of God, when he sailed over to those shores and that storm erupted that night and tried to stop him on that mission because he was leaving the territory of Israel. And in the biblical narrative, that is so important. Israel is God's covenant people. 
God drew a line and he said, this belongs to me. Even when they came out of Egypt, they set up camp and they had that tabernacle in the middle. And God basically had them walled in, the Bible says, with a flame of fire. And every demonic force that lived outside that ruled the other nations, he said, I just dare you to touch Israel. And Israel was so dumb. Oh, and so God, that's why, that's why the language of the Bible, he's like, you've got to be kidding me. It's you've got to be kidding. Read the minor prophets. Minor only for their shortness, not because of what they said wasn't important. It's, you've got to be kidding me. Have I not, Ezekiel, did I not find you as a baby, the imagery, writhing in your blood, your umbilical cord was not even cut. Now, how many of you know what that is? That's a baby that's been dropped in the trash, immediately born. You still had blood clinging to you, and your umbilical cord was not cut. He said, I scooped you up, cut your umbilical cord, rubbed you with salt and with oil, and swaddled you, and I nursed you until you came to maturity, and then I married you. And I opened your womb of blessing. And you would dare prostitute yourself with the gods that exist outside of this covenant. If we understood this, more from an Old Testament context, we would shout a little better when we get to praise and worship. We'd understand the, the price that was paid. We would understand the covenant, that the flame of fire, the covenant that was forged in Christ. If, if an inferior covenant, you, not using my language, using the Bible's language, an inferior covenant, what was the inferior covenant? Anybody? You know, what was the, I'm asking a question. What was the inferior covenant? The old the old, we still got people trying to live in the old covenant. Stop it. It's inferior. It was only a stopgap, an instruction instrument to bring us, as Hebrews says, to the better things. And if those people from the old covenant, Hebrews chapter 11, could obtain such spectacular promises because of the God of their covenant. And we are those of the better generation who now have been brought into the covenant of his son, who he has forged and fulfilled every covenant from the human agency side. God made covenant with fallible humans. Did he think they were ever going to fulfill it? to the question. But he set the chart, he set the path, in, he, set it in, he set it in place. 
He said it in places. He said, yeah, I'm going to keep working with this human agency. I'm still going to keep working with them because I'm going to rule this earth. I'm going to rule this earth with human beings, with human beings. I'm just writing a song right now. I'm going to rule this earth. I'm going to rule this earth with the images of me. on the canal when, when Mary gave birth to her firstborn. Not Joseph. But she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger and angels heralded his birth with the message, celebrate y'all, celebrate y'all, that southern version, celebrate y'all, peace is on earth. Peace is on earth, and God's goodwill has just been announced to man. Peace landed on the, the Prince of Peace is wrapped in swaddling clothes in a human body and is lying in a manger. The imager of God that I have always dreamt of is present and walking among you. He will fulfill my covenants. He will stand on the God side, and he will stand on the human side, and he will accomplish everything concerning you. Put down your works of so-called righteousness because they are an affront to the Son of God. How dare you try to think that any fallible, ridiculous thing you could do would ever earn or credit anything under righteousness on your behalf. How dare you when perfection has come. God, get into our understanding. Get into our understanding. Lord gave me two, two witnesses this morning. Y'all are going to think I've lost my little mind, but here goes. I'm not smoking anything, I promise. Walked out this morning. I said, Mike, hurry, get out of here. Well, he couldn't because he was changing. There was the biggest possum in my yard. Running around. You know, I didn't think, just, just funny, you don't see, you know why you don't see possums during the day? They're nocturnal, right? I was like, wow, that's weird. I, after you leave, Mike, I'm in there getting ready. I hear, what the heck is that? Somebody's knocking on my window. I'm walking around. There is a robin. He is cat, he's not flying through. He is stopped on my, I have these lights strung up on my patio, and he keeps knocking on my window. I'm like, what am I, Edgar Allan Poe? <laughs> you know, no, it's a raven. I'm like, wait, what's going on? I'm like, nature is weirding me out this morning. So I go back, I'm trying to get ready. And I honestly carry me. I keep going in. And I, I look, I go, what do you want to tell me, little man? No, you, you, Mike believes this. You know, I'm like Cinderella, aren't I? Nature and me are like, we, 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 we get together. And so I'm like, and so I go back, I have nothing, you know, and I hear it again. I keep going back. And I'm watching him do it. He flutters and he's tapping on my window, which is beach. It's like, hello, Andrea. And so I do, I walk back in, and this goes on six, seven, eight times, right? Now, how many of you would be starting to take notice of something? So I'm in there getting ready, and I'm like, Lord, if you're trying to tell me something, you're going to have to be a little more clear. And the Lord spoke to me. Now, I, if I don't know what y'all think of or whatever, I heard a testimony from Bill Johnson about when a roadrunner, have any of you heard the roadrunner testimony? 
I, I won't go into it. A roadrunner shows up at the prayer meeting. It becomes a sign for them. And, I'm like, and I remember that. And I'm like, Lord, is this like the roadrunner you did for Bethel? What's going on? And the Lord instantly spoke to me. And he said, you need to raise the window of revelation. And he told me to go look up what the word, what a robin means. And I did. It means hope, renewal, and rebirth. And so, and as I began to pray that, the robin never knocked on the window again. But when I got in the car this morning, it was perched on my window. Just like everywhere I went, this little robin was just hanging out with me. I was like, okay, yeah, thank you. I got it. Renewal and hope. And I'm, I'm raising the windows of revelation. Then I was like, Lord, what about the possum? He said, I'm bringing the things that are in darkness to light. I was like, okay, God, I get that. So y'all may think she's a little lost her lid, but that's okay. Okay, so here, now, we're talking about, we're talking about covenant. We're talking about the nation. Now, go with me real quick, and you're going to need, if you don't have an ESV Bible, I'm going to use mine online. I'm going to read from the ESV this morning. Okay. Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9. How did the biblical authors think about the nations around them? That's what we're going to, God has chosen the human agency, where it says, he wants to reclaim the nations. Do you all realize that? God wants to reclaim the nations. Deuteronomy 32. Can you give me the first scripture? Just use your biblical knowledge. Give me the first scripture that you know God is interested in the nations. Yes, 12 and 1. I will bless you and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, that won't mean anything to you if you don't understand what happened in Deuteronomy 11. I'm sorry, yes, Genesis 11. But Deuteronomy, as you know, if you've heard me teach, what do I say is the most important book of the Bible? What's the first most important book of the Bible? Mike, go ahead and answer. They don't know. What is the second most important book of the Bible? Who won't know this one? Deuteronomy. Taught in the D Psalms, y'all remember? I mean, I gave you everything I could on De Deuteronomy. I wanted to show you how important. Most of you, I was working on that. Most of you in here probably haven't even spent any time in Deuteronomy. It is a book I read at the beginning of the year every year, almost without fail. It is that important. And you're like, I didn't even know it was important. Okay, here we go. Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9. I'm going to read this to you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance when he divided mankind and fixed the borders of the people. When did he do that? Babel. Good job. According to the number of the sons of God. Now, some of yours, what, do you, what does your translation say? Sons of Israel. My ESV says sons of God. The reason it says sons of God, sons of God are, it is, it is the the actual, the sons of God, meaning the angelic ones, the angelic ones, okay? But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotment, his allotted heritage. Now, you're like, what did you just read there? What did the Lord do after Babel? I just read it. He split the nations, and who did he allot? He allotted them to the sons of God. Okay, let's move on a little further. Now, go to Deuteronomy 4. I'm going to go to Deuteronomy. Sorry, I don't want to bore you all, but this is so, so important. 
Deuteronomy 4, 19 and 20. If you've got to look at the world through the biblical lens or you're missing so much of the biblical narrative. Okay, 19 and 20. And beware lest you raise your eyes to the heavens. And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down and serve them. Thing that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. Just keep going. Some of y'all are like, what the heck is she saying? We're going to answer this. Now Deuteronomy 17. Moses is my man here. Who, who inspired him? We already read it. God, this is God-breathed stuff, y'all. Deuteronomy 17.3. And has gone and worshipped other gods and worshipped them, or the sun, the moon, or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have forbidden. So we've got other gods as the sun. Now Deuteronomy 29. We're, gonna, we're almost finished with Deuteronomy, I promise. Deuteronomy 29, 25, and 26. I'll tell you all in a second why the ESV is so important here. Then people will say, it is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Okay, let's keep going. Deuteronomy 32. We've already done, now it's 32.17. We were already in 32, but we're going to do 32.17. This is your little trip through Deuteronomy. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently. This is talking about Israel. They began to do what? Worship other gods. Who? Moses declares prophetically that they would. He's prophesying what they will do when they, before they go into Babylonian captivity. And Moses calls them other gods. He calls them demon gods, right? Basically, gods that came lately with regard to Israel's covenant. Do you all understand that? And now let's go to Psalm. Let's go. Let's go to Psalm 82. And we're going to finish with some scripture right here. On this, and I'm trying. I have to set this point up, or it, this is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was a songwriter. You know, here we go, Asaph. Thank you for this clarification because this will blow our minds. I got white in the back. God has taken His place in the divine council. What's the divine council? The spiritual realm, where the courts of heaven are set up. Who is on? Who is in this realm? Anybody know? Who, who rules here? Do we not need, have y'all never thought, the divine council, who are these people? This is God. No, the apostles. Huh? The triune God is there. Yes. There's the ange angelic host. There's the whole, see, these are the sons of God that are in the angelic realm. What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of, he made him a little lower than the angels. See, for us to think that we, that God is, exists in isolation, is false, and that we as human beings are the only beings on the planet, on the planet, is, is also false. They're the prince, they're in the air. Okay, so God has taken his counsel, in his divine counsel, in the midst of the gods 
He holds judgment. That word is Elohim. God, capital Elohim, has taken his count. Now, see, if you're thinking I'm teaching some sort of Puristic Godism? No, 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 no. I'm not. I swear to you. God is the most high God. He, and I'm not calling them, I'm using the language of the Bible. Y'all see what I'm doing here? This is only offensive to Western. This, this didn't bother the Hebrews. Okay, so I, I just don't, I know I keep trying to defend myself because I feel like, you know, this could be, what you could get rocked at any moment and burn me at the stake. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly? Who's he talking to? The humans? Who are they? The divine, right? The divine council. He's talking to God. You have to know this. He's talking to the gods with a little g. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? That's fine. Yeah, you're like... (laughs) right there yes and so we also have daniel right what does what does persia called the prince of y'all need to read your bibles guys the prince of persia and the prince of greece and who warred with the prince of persia michael 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 warred with the daniel prayed human on earth prayed god i need revelation Could you open the windows of my mind to the other realm? That's all he's asking, right? Could you bring things that are in darkness into the light? Darkness meaning not the realm of the dead or of Satan, but things that are outside of your understanding. So Daniel's praying. Michael shows up and gives him a play-by-play of what he did not see. He said that from the day you prayed, Daniel, I was dispatched. But the prince of Persia detained me, and there was war with him. Who won? Michael. And then he begins to give Daniel the interpretation of the dream. And he's like, the prince of Persia, and then who's going to come after the prince of Persia? The prince of Greece. So what we know is these nations had what ruling them? Right? Are we on the same page here? Demonic rulers that were over them. That's what we got there going on. So it's important that we understand this. If we don't know where our battle is, how how this thing works, how good are we going to be at spiritual warfare? Not very. Okay. So I've, I've given you all of that. Now, what we have here in Psalm 82, show partiality to the wicked. Now, he's still talking to the angelic host. He's not talking to man here. He's talking to the heavenly host. And where did he, where did they get their authority? I haven't said this yet. Where did they get their allotment? Sin. You already said it. That's it. Babel. Babel. So, see, now you're like, I know what you're thinking here. What? God gave the nations over to demons? No. This is where we are very confused with our biblical narrative. There was these, there were three rebellions. The first one with man in the garden with Satan. The second one 
well, we don't, no, see, that you're just, tell me where you got that theology. What you've been taught through church tradition. There you go. That came, that theology you just gave me came along in 400 A.D. At the moment, because he sent out the disciples, he sent out the 12 and he sent out the 70. Like lightning. He's saying it in that relation to that day. Because they came back and what did they say? They rejoiced in what? Even the demons were subject to them. See, we put that and put it in to sub. Ah, yeah, see, you're like, you put it in the wrong place in time, and it messes up your whole view of what's going on. I won't get into the third of the angels. It'd just be a big fight. And I, I don't believe y'all be fighting. It just, it's just hard for me. You know what I'm talking about? It's just a lot of information. It's just not needed for this this morning. Adam, thank you. You're like, I need to know this. Adam, Adam, Satan tempted him in the garden. We know that fall, right? That's the original fall. Genesis 6, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. I'm going to let y'all research that. That is a rabbit hole that requires tinfoil on your head. I'm just going to leave it there. I've been there, guys. That's what drove Mike crazy. I mean, I drove him nutso. I looked at everything online. I've been into some places. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you got to help me here. And finally, me and the Lord just agreed that some things are just too wonderful for me. You know what I'm saying? But it's important. I know. And it's all. And we're going to talk about it in the context that Andrea can actually cope with. Wait just a second. I gotta go. I gotta finish this. Okay, so that, that that's two, right? We got what that was is we've got fallen humanity from the garden. Now we've got the angelic realm messing around with the human realm. We got some issues going on. They proliferated evil on the earth, and we know that. The reason that narrative is in there is because God is telling you what led up to the destruction of the earth. Do you know what every nation has in their history? A flood story. What does that tell us? The flood really happened. <laughs> yeah, every everyone has it. So the flood happened because it says that evil was so prolific on the earth. I don't. I, I think about evil being bad right now. Oh come on! It's but it says in the days at so as it was in the days of Noah. So shall there's a lot. We won't get there. Don't draw me in. Stop it. Third one, the Tower of Babel. So what we have here is. Satan fell, and then the language is called in Daniel, the prince of Persia, they're called watchers. Have you ever heard that language? Some translations call it watchers. The watchers are also this higher-up angelic beings who the watchers, now this will make sense for you. How many of you have ever read Jude, and you're like, when the sons of the people, the former angels did not maintain their former abode, but, you know, blah, 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 and you're like, and they're held in gloomy chains of darkness? That's talking about the Genesis account. Jude is talking about the Genesis account. So now we have the watchers experience, and now we have Noah getting off the boat. And we know that the Bible says Nephilim were on the earth in those days and afterwards. I won't talk about that because I can't. So then we have the third. God tells all humanity. He's working with the human agents, right? What does he want the earth to be? Governed by his people, his imagery. 
to be fruitful, the blessed one. You know, that's all he wants. This is all he wants. God says, I don't change. So his plan hasn't changed. Y'all get that about God? It doesn't change. When he sets out on a course, he's sticking with it. And so now we have the Tower of Babel. They gathered in the plain of Shinar under a guy by the name of Nimrod. Who was a giant? It says it in the Bible. He was a giant. And he starts saying, we're going to build a tower to heaven. And, you know, la, 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 la. And God's like, those dead, dumb human beings. This is Andrea's version. Human images. They're supposed, they're just not going to do what I've called them to do. Is that not what's, that's, that's a good translation, right, of Andreaism. I'm going, I'm going to separate them. This is when he put them over angels. Angels. Are angels white hats or black hats? What can happen? Do you know that what you always have is free will? Do you know what all the angelic realm has also? There you go. So he puts them over angels. Clearly in Psalm 82 tells us what did they not do? They rebelled. White hats, white hats turned to black hats. There's your third part. You see what I mean? No one up here. Well, and also you see it also in the in the millennial reign of Christ. Satan's going to be loosed for a season. And there's going to be, see, we're never going to get away from free will. Y'all see that? Because you're clearly not an imager without free will. I mean, that's just a fact. So here we go. So we have this. So what does this mean for us? This means that the whole world was broke out into regions, territories. You're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed. Just finish the psalm. I think this will add clarity. You show partiality to the wicked. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. This is what he intended for them to do. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. You hear the, you feel the heart see the heart of God here? See, you, as to how many of you think that you have the understanding of an angel? You do. You do have the Holy Spirit. You, you do. But do you, see, do you see the narrative here, though, what God is saying? They're disadvantaged. And you've taken advantage of them. There you go. Put it in the timeline of where this is written. Good job. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness, and all the foundation of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God. Oh, arise. What are we coming up on? There's your language. See, you've got to learn how to read the, the Bible. It's so linked to the, arise. Arise, O oh God. Judge the earth. For you shall inherit the nations. 
telling you. up in the judgment assigned to the enemy i know i know i'm not saying i'm saying that you what you just exactly said yeah what what yes and that's exactly right but what i'm saying to us i'm saying to you i'm saying to all of us i'm not saying to you individually i'm saying to you collectively that i'm saying to all of us don't get messed up in the judgment that is assigned to the enemy the children of god are not appointed unto Wrath, wrath will be poured out. I'm telling you, wrath is, the mental management is going to get it. The problem with you and 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 you is what side of the battle are you going to find yourself on? You better put your faith in Christ. Because he's not coming after a people who have polluted themselves with the spirit of this world and who are aligning themselves with the demonic realm and the darkness that is prevailing in the land. We better get the devil out of our thinking and out of our living and out of our lifestyle because when he comes to pour out wrath, you don't want to be setting in the devil's camp. Do y'all get this? I mean, this to me, it's like, oh, let me read some more scriptures. If you understand this, when you read the Bible, it will become so clear to you, it'll be stupid clear. Hosea 6 and 2, after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise y'all know what that means Hosea 2 6 I just wrote that down close right here there, here's some Zephaniah minor prophet for you see you know you thought the minor prophets were all about wrath they are but it's not for you unless you're for him now I mean him with the little old you know what I'm saying you gotta get your him right see what I'm saying I'm telling you guys it's time for you to declare what banner you're under Y'all see what I'm saying here? I'm telling you, you better be talking to your family about this. We are living in a stacked up day. The power, the powers are aligning. Why do the nations rage and the heathen imagine a vain thing? The kings of this earth assemble themselves against the anointed. What will he do? He will and he will ultimately smash them with a rod of iron. How many of you want to be under that banner? Come on, you have the choice. This is your day. It's time to quit playing church and in and out and up and down and over and out and under. And You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm on the, who's on the Lord's side? That'd be me. He won this. He won this all, y'all. You have power in Jesus' name. You have authority in Jesus' name. He has done the work. It is finished. Go home. Close the book. You know what I'm saying? It is over. Only people who don't know it is the church. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up. 
receive the praise. For my decision is to gather the nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger. <clears throat> For in the fire of my jealousy, my passion, all the earth shall be consumed. That's Zephaniah 3 and 8. What he's saying there is this. God's coming after the nations. He set aside the nations at the Tower of Babel. And he called one nation. I'm if, if you're a part of the replacement theology crowd where you think the church replaces Israel, you need to scratch that out of your brain. God loves Israel. I love Israel. As a matter of a fact, a fact, when you get to the millennial kingdom, you know how many, do you know how many thrones are going to be set up on the earth? Twelve. One for every tribe of Israel. I hope you get comfortable with Israel because you're going to be assigned to a tribe, apparently. I'm getting a tribe. I asked Mike, I said, what's your tribe going to be? He said, Judah, of course. I don't know if we get to pick our tribe or not, you know what I'm saying? But this is so exciting to me. I'm going to read another one to you. Now we're going to move to New Testament. Among them, what time is it? Oh, we got to go. You're going to be, you're going to go fast. I'll, I'll pick us up next. Oh, we won't. Lonnie will be here. Sorry. This is so good, y'all. This has changed my world to the point that I don't even know what to do with myself. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Once you were. But now you're not there anymore, are you? Does he have, does he have wrath assigned to you, Belinda? Mm -mm. He came back. He gathered my nation. The one I was from, he, he sent. Thank God he sent an evangelist. And that word is gone, and it's 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 gone. And it, go, it went all the way to June the 16th, 1982. And it reached an 11-year-old girl in Dublin, Texas. And I stepped out of wrath. And he reclaimed this member of the nation. For God has not destined us to wrath, <clears throat> but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we must know our enemy. We must know our assignment in context to his mission. What is your assignment? What's our mission? I'm going to put it, I got, I got three, I got three words. How many of y'all can handle a three-word mission statement? As imagers of God, this is not part of our three words yet. I, I can, I'll track it down myself, but thank you. I'll use it for later. We appreciate it. <clears throat> As imagers of God, imagers of status, right? It doesn't have anything to do with your physical makeup, because if it does, we have to remove something of your physicality, and we could remove imaging from you. So it's, it's a status. As a status of imager, you are, are y'all ready for this? You better give me a drum roll. Reclaim the nations. Oh, you're like, oh, that was boring. It shouldn't have been boring at this point. If it was boring, I've not done my job well. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> because 
the nations that were once, we could think of it as a divorce. He scattered them. He said, I want them so bad, Ken. I want them so bad. But they won't listen to me. So I've got to focus in. I've got to bring up this one man who is absolutely has no hope in this world. So no one will get confused about works. I'm going to bring up a dead man. Abram. Why is he dead? He's buried, sir. He's old and dead, and his wife is old and dead. He's buried in there, passed away. Abram. He's Abram. He said, I'm going to make this man into, he drops him right on the, right on the circle of the globe. There he comes. <laughs> and he says, <clears throat> I'm going to make a covenant with him. And that covenant, all the, Abram, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed by you. All of them. All those nations that are now under lesser gods who rebelled and are not doing things right, I'm going back after them. And I'm going to raise up images who have made in the image of my son. And the heart of revival is going to be in this place. And the heart's going to be in this tomb. Send me to the mission. Oh, God. So you thought this was all about you getting to heaven when you die. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of them who are bringing good news, proclaiming peace. Oh, our God reigns over all the nations. Now let's finish it up. We're going and we're leaving. I don't have time. But what did he disarm? Powers, rulers, wickedness. He, destroy, he, he completely disarmed them. They are canceled. He canceled the handwriting ordinances against us, Colossians 2, 8 through 15. He disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. That's what he's doing. All the nations, that, the prince of Persia, he's dead. We're still acting like we got to bind him and do battle with Michael. He's disarmed. Canceled your sin. So the passport that the devil had into your life, that'd be canceled. You want to talk about canceling culture? I'm canceling Satan's culture this morning. He's canceled. He disarmed him. He's canceled that passport of sin in your life. He disarmed him. Everything he had a weapon against you, you just don't know it. He can't touch you with that. And he mocked him. That's, that's false. Mo made a display of them openly. Mocked him. Oh. And now, what did he do? That would be cool if that was all there was. But what did he do? He raised him who is head of the church up. And he put all things under his feet. And the fullness of all his authority, he gave it to you, Shelby. And you, and you, and you, and you. And when a devil comes telling you, just remind him, what the heck do you think you're doing? You know who I am. And guess what, buddy? 
I have just about figured out who I am. And when I get that square, I won't just have a gun, I'll have a bullet in my hand. You see what I'm saying? You have more power than you know. All the nations know. You want to know what God wants you to do? Preach. Tell them. Tell them. You don't have to live in sin. Jesus died to set you free. Come on. Get that wrath off of you. You don't need that. God will make you righteous. Righteousness of faith. The war has been won in Jesus' name. We've got to go. Bye.